I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Welcome back to Vet Sessions. I'm your host today, Dr. Shannon Gowland. And with me, I'm so excited to introduce our newest registered veterinary technician, Emily Horton. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming. So today we'll be talking about a really challenging topic, which I know is very important to both of us. We're going to chat about how to support us as a team and our clients through the difficult experience of euthanasia. So of course we should say that neither of us is an officially trained psychologist or a mental health professional, although Emily, I know you do have some training around this and yeah. I'd love you to tell me about it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, both of us are speaking from experience. We've yeah. had a lot of it um, <laughs> and kind of sharing our thoughts today, um, just hoping to help others to do the same. Absolutely. And before we get started, I just want to mention that our podcast today is supported by OVC Pet Trust. OVC Pet Trust is dedicated to improving and advancing companion animal health by supporting innovative discoveries, education and health care that improve the prevention, diagnosis and treatment of diseases of pets. You can learn more about OVC Pet Trust at www.pettrust.ca or connect with them on Instagram at OVC Pet Trust. Thanks so much, Pet Trust. So Emily, I know you have a really strong interest in supporting mental health within veterinary teams, which is why yes, you're yeah. here with me today. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you like to share with us kind of how you came to be so passionate Absolutely. about this topic? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean, so I've been an RVT for about five years now. Yeah. Um, you know, the first couple years were fairly, fairly smooth sailing. Um, and then COVID hit. Yeah. Um, and it really, I guess, kind of changed the, the scope of veterinary medicine. And, um, and it changed the demands of, of RVTs, doctors, um, the whole veterinary team, for sure. to be honest. Um, so you know, a year and a half goes by and I, you know, I really felt my, you know, the burnout happening, um, you know, working 16, 17 hour days, um, not getting a lunch break. Um, it was, it was really taking its toll and I, and I could see it. I knew my mental health was deteriorating. Um, I guess I tried to put off for (laughs) as long as I, as long as I could, um, you know, the, the fact that I needed to get more help than I realized. And, um, so I just, you know, I, it, I got to a really bad place and I, um, in that time frame, I ended up in the hospital twice. Aww. Um, and then May 30th, 2022, um, I did attempt to take my own life. Um, and I realized at that point that I needed a lot more help, um, than I realized. And it was just, um, the compounding of of everything, of um, the demands of of the job, and and uh, and how much it had increased with COVID, and um, you know, it just burnout. The burnout was really was really real, um, and a job that I not it's not a job it's a career that I love and am passionate for I you know it wasn't it wasn't exciting me anymore I couldn't get out of bed Uh, I barely ate um, because I you know and I you know we'll be touching on this but there were days where it was it was just euthanasia after euthanasia after euthanasia and um, you know I there was an experience in when I worked in a merge where 
Um, it was just, it was a day of euthanasias and it, oh. it affects you way more than you realize. And if we don't do things for ourselves and to, you know, to take care of ourselves, it, it adds up. And, um, unfortunately, yeah, I ended up in a really bad space, um, with the decision of my parents and I, I did end up at um, Homewood here in Guelph. Mm -hmm. It's a one of the. It's a very good mental health facility. It's an inpatient facility, and I was there for three months. Um, but I am in a much different spot um, after being there, and it's you know I'm I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. It was where I needed to be, um, yeah, and it took course. me a long time. There was a lot of a lot of frustrations, a lot of weightless. Our mental health system is severely, um, it's, it's strained, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to put it sure. lightly. Um, but I got where I needed to be, and um, it just made me realize the importance of mental health in, in our profession. Um, you know, I, I know of an RVT, of a sister clinic who, um, she did commit suicide. Oh, and, no. um so that was, you know, that was another another big push for me to really get, you know, get involved and be a, a spokesperson for not only RVTs, but the veterinary profession as a whole. Um, you know, so that led me to, I did end up at my other clinic. I organized uh, a mental health first aid workshop. Um, so I have, I'm... Ment I have a mental health aid felt mental health first aid certification. Um, I would love to get you know my instructors in it, like as a um, like to be able to de deliver the course, but that's a whole other yeah for sure <laughs> whole other ball game. But if I the more clinics that I can get on board to um, you know to deliver that to their clinics, and I think it would you know it just it means a lot to me. Um, and I know a lot of other people that are you know struggling and. Uh, maybe not to the same the same extent, but you know they're definitely um, definitely struggling. And I just want, I, you know, I want new grads. I want vet students. I want you know vet techs, vet tech students. I just want everyone to know that it is okay to not be okay. For sure. Um, and For sure. I, I I just there's still we've come a long way, but there's still a lot of stigma uh, around mental health. And I just I want to be part of that change. I want to get to a point where where th that stigma doesn't exist, yeah, sure. um, especially in, in our profession. For sure. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about all that happened to you, and I'm really proud that you're able to get the help that you needed, and you, we're yeah. so happy to have you here on our team. Yeah, and, I'm yeah. so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. us too, yeah. us too. Thanks for sharing. Of it course. can be difficult, I know. Oh, um, yeah. It's hard to talk about difficult experiences, but you know, trying to be open and talking about mental health is the only way that everybody understands. So exactly, you. yeah. So. Speaking of, yes. let's start talking about, you know, one of the most difficult things we do as mm -hmm. a veterinary team, which which is euthanasia. Yeah. Um, I want to have a podcast about this because sadly, yeah. uh, I've performed a lot of euthanasias lately mm -hmm. um, yeah. with my student team. Yeah. And our practice is 12 years old now. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of our initial patients who have been with us for 12 years yeah. are now at least that old. Yeah. So we are seeing a lot of older patients. Yeah. So. But one of the great things about working with vet students is that they ask a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> a lot of questions all it. the time. <laughs> and I love it too, which is yeah. why I'm here. Um, <laughs> and the effect of that is that it really makes me think about why we do things the way we do. Because yeah. they always say, Shannon, why do you do it like this? Why do you do it like that? I've yeah. seen this. I've seen that. Yeah. And it really makes me always think about what the best way is to do things. Absolutely, or a yeah. way that works well for yeah. me. Because yeah. there's never just one best way. So... 
what I was hoping for today is that we can kind of touch on some of the sort of aspects of euthanasia that we hear so many questions about from the students. Yeah. So we'll start with kind of some technical aspects um, and ideas to make the process as smooth as possible because yeah. that really impacts how we react to it. Absolutely. So I think yeah. um, that's really important. And then we'll, okay, we can share some ideas for yeah. emotional support through the experience, um, both for the clients and for ourselves because... Yes. It's hard to separate the two. It is, especially, uh, yeah. And because it's a very, a very emotional moment. Um, and I, you know, I, I tell people that every single euthanasia affects you. It does. Um, as, a, as a DVM, as an RVT, yes, we push forward. Yes, we do the next one. But every single one affects you um, and affects us as a team. Um, so I think, you know, making things as smooth smooth as possible, I think it's, it's really important in terms of... Um, for us and obviously for for our clients and and the patients yeah Yeah. and we should say too you know uh, euthanasia is a really difficult thing to do but it's also a really rewarding thing to do yes you know when you do it well um so many times people will say that wasn't as bad as i thought it was and and thank us so it is a rewarding thing to do too or the yeah the amount of times you know i've had patients say or not patients but clients (laughs) um (laughs) clients say to me you know what i you know, thank you for, for ending his suffering. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, it was, and I've had clients say, you know, it was a, it was a peaceful, um, smooth transition and they're grateful that we were, were able to, um, you know, help them cross that rainbow bridge um, yeah. in a, in a gentle way. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. And then, so before euthanasia happens, obviously there's mm-hmm. always that difficult discussion about yeah. things like quality of life and yeah. treatment options and making yeah. that decision to euthanize. And that's another huge topic. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if there's interest from our audience, we could always do another Absolutely. you know episode around that, yeah. around having quality of life decisions and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I think that's too much to cover <laughs> in one time. So for today, I thought we'd focus on patients for whom the decision to euthanize yeah. has already been made. Yeah. So maybe let's start with kind of a case to start yeah. us off. Absolutely. Um, it, this is based on several of the patients that we've cared for recently. Yeah. So it's kind of a combination. Yeah. So let's say that we have a patient. Um, her name is Sadie, and she is a 13-year-old Irish wolfhound who was diagnosed a couple months ago with an osteosarcoma, which is a type of bone cancer on her front leg. And she's been our patient for a long time. We've been treating her palliatively with multiple pain medications. And over the weekend, her owners uh, noticed her limping Mm -hmm. more and she's eating less. And we've been talking about quality of life and things like that since making her diagnosis and what to watch for um, and rechecking her. But the owners have called to say that they feel that today's the day. So I know, Emily, you've been a part of a lot of these conversations. I um, have, yes. And yeah. often what happens is, you know, we have um, one of our reception team come back to the back yeah. upset, you yeah. know, to let us know that this call has been made, yeah. um, letting us know that we need to make a plan. Yeah. So so what things kind of go through your mind when this happens? Like, how can we best plan for this in terms of fitting an unexpected euthanasia into our day for that's, the clients and for the team? Absolutely. That's um, that's a really good question. Um I mean, it's hard when, you know, when patients are declining so quickly and you don't necessarily have that option to, okay, you know, let's, you know, we'll schedule it in a few days. You guys can have some time at home with, with, let's say, Fluffy or Sadie. Um, But yeah, it's hard the day of to just, you know, it's kind of sprung upon you. Um, You know, I always generally like to make sure there's, you know, a lot of, you know, a good time slot booked off because um, I know you guys as as DVMs and uh, um, us as RVTs, we like to 
you know, take our time and, and give the family time as well. Um, it's not, it's not easy to be in, you know, in a, a hospital or, you know, a human hospital and, and have to go through something like that. Right. So, um, I think, yeah, in terms of scheduling, um, I mean, ideally in every situation, I would like to be able to give, you know, the owners and their, their family member really, when it comes down to it, those extra few days together. Um, I know not, you know, not every circumstance warrants that because the patient is declining. Um, but those ones that, that we can, and, you know, I tell them to, you know, to feed them their, you know, their favorite, favorite foods, um, ice cream, you know, that burger from, from McDonald's, um, you know, I just think that that extra time, them as a family in in a space where you know their dog or cat is comfortable and familiar with I think it's so important in like leading up to those final moments yeah Um, for sure but I know and as as you know not that we unfortunately we don't always have that that luxury Um, but I think you know making sure everyone is you know is prepared and and allowing yourself you know even if you book it for an hour an hour and a half to allow yourself to feel it and not just block it off and go into the next one and then you get home and it all just it adds up right yeah so it's very true it's very true yeah and i know sometimes we think about like providing home pre-medications for pets as well like if we know we have an anxious pet coming in absolutely um, we use lots of gabapentin and trazodone and things like that yeah Um, our best friends (laughs) yeah exactly now with with a patient like like our Sadie, yeah. um, you know, she would have been on some palliative medications yeah. and that sort of thing. So um, often we're using, we're already using gabapentin as yeah. a pain medication. So sometimes you can just have them give extra of the yeah. gabapentin that they already have at yeah. home or have people come and pick up some trazodone if Absolutely. need be. Yeah. Um, and and then, I think, sorry, I sorry, d- don't mean to interrupt. Um, I just want to add on to that. I think um, I, I think we shouldn't, as a profession, we should not be afraid to to utilize those tools because again, I think for the pa- the patient's comfort, um, it's going to help relieve a bit of their anxiety being here, right? Yeah. And we again, we want we want to make that this process as smooth as possible. And I think having that gabapentin, having that trazodone on board, um, I think is super important for the patient yeah, for um, sure. to make them so they're not super anxious being here, right? For sure. Yeah. And then I find that, you know, when we do, especially when we're kind of fitting in unexpected things, um, trying to have everything ready, as much ready ahead of time as possible is so important to try and minimize sort of the running around in the back area that happens. Yes. Um, And I know that as techs, you guys are key for having everything (laughs) organized. So, yeah. So what what do you do to try and prepare for a procedure like this? Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I mean, as soon as I, I know, you know, let's say, okay, we can't wait those few days, the patient's coming in in, you know, an hour or two. Um, I, you know, I have everything ready to go. I have my, my IV catheter supplies. Um, I have, would like to have, you know, the pre-medication and um, uh, the euthanol or the dorminol drawn up for you guys. Like everything is ready to go. Um, and then in terms of the, the room itself, I like to have ideally, you know, a big, like a comfy blanket yeah. for the patient to lie on for my small dogs and, and cats. Um, ideally I love to wrap them in a blanket and usually I like to put them in cats in a little cat bed or dogs in, in a small dog bed. Um, I just think, you know, bringing them into the owner, uh, like that is, 
it, it just goes a long way in terms of yeah. you know showing how much we do we do care about their their family member right yeah. um so i like to have all of that ready um you know bottles of water for the owner like you being able to offer little things like that um like treats i like to have you know a good amount of treats in the room yeah um just you know having those little like those little details ready i think is i, I think it speaks volumes to to our clients um I think so and too. i think it shows you know okay we're you know we are here and we are here for for them yeah um so i mean i yeah i like to be to be as prepared as possible you know uh paperwork is printed i have everything you know on a clipboard ready to go um it just takes away a lot of that you know that massive amount of stress i mean it's still emotional obviously yeah, yeah. um but i think it just it eases a bit of that 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 tension that stress right and i find it really hard to greet the clients and the patients coming in the door i do yes, it of course yeah. but all the time i have to kind of prepare myself a little yeah. bit and even after i've done so many it's still mm -hmm. hard you know Absolutely. and i, I know yeah. that everybody in our team feels the same way yeah. but um recently we had something happen that was that was kind of sweet yeah. and what happened was a patient came in one morning who had been on palliative care for cancer for a while and she arrived for a quality of life assessment and it was pretty clear that yeah. you know she'd reached the end of her happy time and, yeah. and that euthanasia was the best choice for her and so her owners decided to take her for one last car ride and a treat um, but when they came back to the hospital they were really sad um, because her favorite place for ice cream didn't Aww. have any but our receptionist katie Aww. remembered that i had bought ice cream for some students a week oh, before my goodness. and there was some left in the freezer Aww. yeah we had snow day ice cream and um, so katie remembered this and and so she served her an ice cream oh. sundae with chocolate sauce. It was oh, so great. that is amazing. I know, I know. It was oh. such a sad day anyway, but uh, this dog just had this look of amazement oh. on her face yeah. as she gobbled down her ice cream. And it was it was really great to see. And, and her I, owners loved I it. Say, I bet yeah. you the owners were beyond, beyond yeah. grateful. They really yeah. were. They really were. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, the sweet thing is that since then, every patient coming in for euthanasia has been served at least I one ice that. cream sundae. Oh. And it's amazing how comforting it is for everybody. You know, yes. it helps the clients settle into the yeah. room. It gives them something else to focus on and of exactly. course everybody is still really sad of course and yeah. of course not every patient is going to eat the ice cream no. but, but i have to say i've been surprised even a very yeah. old little cat who i saw yeah. recently you know devoured her ice cream devoured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so from now on i'm going to make sure that we always have some ice cream in our freezer i love that and yeah. like you said it seems like a small thing but it's also it, really not exactly yeah, yeah. i yeah. i just want to say i I appreciate that that gesture so much, um, yeah. and I just think it's it is such a wonderful, heartwarming gesture. Yeah, and it yeah. doesn't have to be ice cream; it could be no, something else good. Exactly, but, but for us, for yeah. now, it's ice cream. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, as you said, preparation is everything. So yeah. you know, I try to come into the room at the start um, yeah. with my pre medication already drawn up and ready, yeah. and we just use the most recent weight that we have on the pad. Typically, yeah. Um, yeah, we do pre med every patient because yes. it makes Absolutely. everything easier. Yeah, um, my favorite pre meds are butorphan. All. Mm -hmm. I usually use 0.3 mg per kg yeah. and ACE promazine at 0.1 mg per kg. Yeah. 
And what we do is we give them together IM, yeah. so intramuscular injection. Yeah. Um, I like those because I get good sedation and typically without nausea. Yes. Because yeah. that's the last thing we want them to do at the end is is, is be, to be vomiting. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. So so I do like those pre meds. And I think we yeah. I think you've said that you like that as I, well. I yeah. yeah I yeah. love um yeah, butorphanol and acepromazine for a pre med for euthanasias. Yeah. Um I think you know, we were chatting, I think in the rare cases have I had to use like one microgram of Dex Domitor? Yeah. Um, but I mean, and the big thing in that case is that we, you know, we've chatted with the owners and we've warned them that there is going to be a bit more sedation on board. Oh, yeah. Um, and the owners are, I mean, I've, all the owners that I've chatted with have been really good about it and they've appreciated the the heads up. Oh, for sure. Um, but I think, again, that's, uh, those are super rare cases. I think 99% of the time, 99.99% of the time, I love butorphanol and acepromazine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, you know, so usually when we start the appointment, we kind of talk for a few minutes about how the clients are doing and how yeah. the pet's doing and I, you know, and, and why we're here today. And I, I think that the most important thing we can offer to our clients is reassurance yeah. that it's the best decision for their pet. Yeah. Um, because clearly if we're performing a euthanasia, it's because we think as doctors that it's the right thing. Right, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and sharing that, it gives such relief that you can often see it from people. Yes. Like most people feel terrible about making the decision yeah. to euthanize their pet. Yeah. And if we really reinforce that and kind of give them permission, yeah. Um, yeah. you can often see a weight lift yes, off of a, people. a sense of you know? relief. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think that's really important to verbalize. Like people might, you might think that people assume that we are okay with this and we think mm -hmm. it's the right thing, but saying it makes a huge difference. 100%. 100%, yeah. Shannon. Um, even as, to be honest, even as an RVT, I've had owners, you know, after the doctor has come in and, and, I, and I'm in, uh, the room with them again they you know they ask they ask me again um, yeah. and I you know I just tell them um, you know it's you know, Fluffy, you've given Fluffy such a wonderful life. Um, and I just kind of, I kind of re reassure them. And, and again, that I think that sense of relief is, um, is important for the owner. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it helps if they hear it from everybody as well. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, that way they're hearing from different team members, yeah. you know, yeah. that they get support. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's no really great time for paperwork, no. you know, um, yeah. but we do have to get that consent yeah. form signed. So, um, so, you know, usually at that point we do kind of the paperwork and we have them sign the consent form. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important to talk really briefly about the costs involved. Yeah. It's a really awkward thing to bring up at that time. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I think it's important to maybe ask the client and say, w would you like me to go over yes. the cost? Yeah. Because some people don't want to hear about it. And no. for some people, it's not a concern and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but the problem is that if people do have cost constraints, then not knowing the cost of the visit or the cremation can actually add stress to their day. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, just yeah. having offering to have an open conversation about yeah. it but also respecting if they don't want to talk about it absolutely, uh, is yeah. usually the best way to go about it. I, yeah, so. I, I absolutely agree. I think that's um, a really important part because, you know, like you said, dealing with euthanasia and, and cost is, is a very, very awkward for, for all of us, right. Yeah. For all the veterinary team. Um, but you know, it is, it is important. And um, I think I really like the idea of, of asking them, um, you know, is this a, you know, do you want me to go over this with you? Um, I've had some clients, you know, say, no, no, I, you know, they've given me, you know, their wishes, but they, yeah. And they just, they don't want to talk about it in detail. And, yeah. and I, and I completely respect that. 
Yeah. And I usually let them know that, you know, we can arrange for cremation for Sadie and there are yeah. options. And then, you know, um, and we, I just let them know that we'll do everything we can to make it peaceful and, and yeah. calm for their pet. Yeah. Um, and then, so once we've gone through that sort of thing and yeah. had the paperwork signed, um, then I ask them if I can go through what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, just so they know what to expect. Absolutely. And yeah. at this point, I think it's really important to keep it simple. So um, yeah. one of the things I do have students in with youth for euthanasia yeah. with me sometimes, and sometimes people want to go into a little bit more detail, detail. Than, than maybe the clients can hear right now. Yeah. So I don't share things like names of drugs or anything like that. I just Absolutely. tell people that we're going to give a sedative yes. so Sadie won't be anxious or in pain yeah. and that our tech will place an IV. Yeah. I never call it a catheter because then people think it's going to be a urinary catheter, uh-huh. which is not, which is not, which is not no. what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah. But I think that um, people know what an IV is. Yes. And yeah. I tell people that the IV lets me injection, inject the medication properly yeah. so that their pet won't feel their final injection. And so yeah. it goes into the right place. Absolutely. And then, yeah. then they seem to understand. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, that way of Absolutely. explaining works well. Yeah. And then our technician always holds the pet for the IM injection. Yes. I don't have owner's hold for that. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I think that's really important. Important. Absolutely. Um, ideally, yeah. we offer treats or something like yeah. that to have that yeah. injection go better. Maybe, Absolutely. Maybe more ice cream. Yes. <laughs> um, and then once the sedation is in, um, we, we ask if they have questions at that point. So yeah. um, I think it's important to get the sedation going because the pet yes. then has some time to relax. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then often at that point, people want to talk about cremation and aftercare, like what happens afterwards. Um, and so, you know, we kind of go over those options and we always send them home with, with materials to yeah. have a look at. And yeah. they, people don't need to decide at the time. No. You know, often and they need something to think about. And that's, you know what, I, in that, along those lines, that's what I love about the Lasting Memories portal with mm-hmm. Gateway. Yeah. Is it allows, and I, I tell owners, it, you know, allows you to go home, be in the comfort of your own home and chat with your family about, about your wishes. Um, I just, I think it's a fantastic portal. I think it's a fantastic idea rather than pressuring them and forcing them to make a decision when it's already a really emotional moment. I love the idea of them being able to go home, de-stress and, and do it in the comfort of their own home and have that extra time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The portal is new to us. So it's a link that we, um, that we send to owners, um, connecting them with our, the company who does our aftercare, um, which is called gateway. And so a number of other companies do this as well. And it's, it's a really nice service to have because then people don't have to make a quick decision. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some clinics do have their clients pay for euthanasia um, at, at some time around this point or, yeah. or beforehand. Yeah. Um, there are some clients who want to get the payment part out of the way. Yeah. Um, but what we usually do um, is that we have them pay another day, um, either by like phone that. or like usually the euthanasia that we're doing are with known clients. And yeah. so, you know, we have a relationship with them. Yeah. So we normally do offer to have them pay a different day. That's But wonderful. if they want to do it the day of, then that's also Absolutely. totally fine. Yeah. Um, ideally, I don't leave it till the end. Um, yeah. I think that while the pet is sedating, having a receptionist come in um, with a portable payment terminal, you know, into the quiet room um, can be a good way to do that if yeah. the client wants to pay on that day, Absolutely, as opposed yeah. to having them go out to the clinic waiting room at the end. Um, that is not what I what I prefer. I, so, I yeah. Shannon, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I, to be honest, I love the idea of, of having them, especially with good clients and that you've known for a long time, having them pay over the phone another day. I think that is a fantastic idea. Um, you know, I've been in, in places where 
yeah, it's, you know, they come in in the middle and then so there's a new person coming in and then it's just, you know, I, I worry about, you know, are there too many people coming in and out? Um, but I think ideally it's way better to do it at that point than like you said, at, at the end, um, it's, they're, they're grieving. And mm-hmm. I just think the last thing that we, we need to do is at the very end be like, oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. depends on the practice. I've also done a yeah. fair bit of emergency work back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, yep. you know, uh, that's a situation where you don't have that relationship with a client. So they, they yeah. do in fact have to pay on the day. hundred percent. But yeah. I do find yeah. that kind of after sedation, um, yeah. but before the actual but euthanasia before, exactly, is, yeah. is what's worked well for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So once we're through the kind of payment part of it or, yeah. you know, having talked about paperwork and that yeah. kind of thing, um, then I like to have my tech come in to place the IV in the comfort room yeah. once the patient's sedated. Yeah. Um, I know, Emily, that's a hard thing to do for you yeah. guys. Um, and it depends. Like, we we will ask the client if that's okay. Yeah. Clearly, if you have a client who's not okay with needles or medical Absolutely. things, yeah. then you may want to yeah. do it a different way. Absolutely. But for the most part, people don't want to be separated from their pets. And so Absolutely. if their pet has been sedated in the room, they're yeah, sleeping they, nicely on the big blanket. They want to be there with them. Yeah, and, and then I, we don't and have to move the pet. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So I always tell the clients, um, you know, that because their dog is older or, or sick, um, that the IV might be hard to place just like it is for humans. And I let them know that our tech might have to try more than once to place the IV. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I hope that's helpful for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully I, yeah. I mean, thankfully I haven't, I haven't had any, any experiences in the room. It always goes really smoothly, but, um, we definitely, definitely appreciate that. That heads up for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then we usually place an extension set, uh, on the IV, um, catheter just because that gets us a little bit of distance. So if somebody wants to hug their pet, we're not in their face with the medications and it, it just means that we don't have to handle the pet's feet either. And so many pets don't like their paws handled. So I like the extension set. Absolutely. Me too. Um, and we also always tell the clients that the tech is going to flush the IV with saline and that, and that they're not going to give drugs nobody's giving any no. drugs until the and client I, is ready. I, I know you guys say it, but I always yeah. like to say it myself as I'm like, before I give it, I always say to turn to the owners. I say, this is just a little bit of flush. I'm just going to make sure um, the IV is, is patent. It's okay to say it yeah. again. I yeah. think that's good. Yeah. So once we have the pet sedated and the IV placed, um, then of course we offer the clients more Absolutely. time. You yeah. know, we say if you'd like a few more minutes or if you need more time, just, that's totally fine. Yeah. Although I honestly find that by the time we're at this point, most of most people want to continue, you I know, agree. and they, they yeah. want it to be over with yeah. um, for their pet, you yes. know. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I find most people are ready. Everybody's different, but yeah. it, it's really worthwhile to ask though. Absolutely. And I think people you know, appreciate that they have some control yeah. over, over the timing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and then in terms of kind of positioning where the, where the pet is, mm. um, I always ask them if they want them to be up on the couch with them or on their yeah. lap, or often people just lie down on the floor yeah. <laughs> on a blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that if they're going to be holding the pet for euthanasia, it's important to put a diaper pad underneath the blankets Agreed. just because, Absolutely. you know, on the one hand, the owners probably don't care that much, but yeah. you know, having somebody having their pet pee on them yeah. doesn't make the situation any better. No, I, I think so. it I think it just I think it would add to um to the sadness to yeah. the the grieving process right because yeah, for sure it would just kind of hit them even harder yeah so I yeah. agree yeah so I think that's really important to think about absolutely um yeah. and then once we're all set I think it's really important to just tell people simply that I'll be giving two injections yeah. um the first one makes their pet fall asleep that's typically propofol, propofol. although yeah. I don't 
typically tell the owner about the drug names, no, like yeah, I yeah. said. Yeah, so we course, normally yeah. give propofol followed by pentobarbital. Absolutely. Yeah. But what yeah. I tell the clients is that I will give them two injections, um, one to make their pet fall asleep and the other one that's the overdose that'll stop their heart and breathing while they're asleep. Yeah. And that it only takes about 10 seconds. It's like a person going under anesthesia. Yeah. 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 And then I always tell them that their pet might take a few deep breaths. They might pee or poop and that's okay. Yeah. And normally they probably won't close their eyes. Yes. And all of that is normal and expected and not something to worry about. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's super important to, especially about the eyes to warn owners about, because again, yeah, you know, it can be unexpected. It can be very unexpected. Right. I think, I think naturally people expect, you know, the eyes to close. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's super important to, to warn them about that. Yeah. 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 And so we always flush the IV before we put medication in to make sure it's still patent. Yeah. We give propofol, then euthanol, and then flush everything in. Um, make sure you use a lure lock with a needle um, that you inject yes. into a PRN or that you attach the syringe to the extension set yes. with that lure lock. Yeah. Um, that's the little locking end on the syringe that actually holds the needle in place and stops it from disengaging. Yeah. Um, you never want to use a non-lure lock syringe because the euthanol solution is really thick. It's it kind is. of syrupy. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to push on the syringe to make the solution go into the IV line. And without the lock on it, uh, it can actually spray out. And the last thing you want to do is spray yourself, the patient, and or the and client, client with, with euthanol solution. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, if yeah. someone hands you a lure lock syringe, a non-lure non lock syringe, yeah. Um, yeah. switch your syringe before you, before you go in. Absolutely. Um, so. I just want to add to that point. Um, mm -hmm. I always let, um, I always like, I always somehow let my doctor know uh, at you like ahead of time if I know it's you know going to be a really tiny patient with small veins. I always like to let my doctor know if I'm placing a 24 gauge catheter. Yes. Um, there have been times where, I mean, usually I can, I try to get a 22 gauge in or a 20 if it's a bigger dog. There have been times, especially with um, like very, like very sick. I usually find like chronic kidney cats yeah. who are super dehydrated. I have to get a 24 in, a 24 gauge catheter in. Um, and so I always like to... I pre-warn my doctors um, and I, I find they're all like very appreciative of like, yeah. oh, thank you for letting me know it's it's a 24 and not a 22. Yeah, yeah. it can be harder to push the thick Absolutely. solution through. Yeah. You can actually take some hot water and dilute your euthanol yes. a little bit Absolutely. in that case. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. makes it a little bit thinner and, and then it can go through the IV catheter just Absolutely. that much easier and Absolutely. it doesn't affect the performance of the drug at all. Like it yeah. doesn't affect the potency I think that's of a great it. Idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that can work well. Yeah. So, um, so what we do is we give the injections and then after yeah. a few moments, we listen to the chest with the stethoscope to mm -hmm. confirm that there's no heartbeat. And then we tell the clients that their pet is gone. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. That's I, yeah, I can only imagine that part for you guys. Yeah. yeah. This is the point when I find that most of the emotions happen for the clients, you know, like they're Absolutely. really sad ahead of time, but you know, uh, telling them, okay, that, that the pet is gone often, yeah that's that's when it really hits them i absolutely agree yeah. um this is you know they were i'm, I'm going to use the name fluffy again but fluffy was just looking at them breathing yeah. you know 10 20 seconds ago and now and now she's not um and i know that's for me as an rvt that's when it hits me too um i find a lot of people seem to feel relief at that point, though, you know, that also, it is over yes. and yeah. that it was smooth yes. and that it was peaceful. 
You know, I think that a lot of people feel both sadness and relief and and, relief. And then they sometimes feel bad that they feel relief, but it's complicated. It is. uh, Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. And and we, we see such a range of reactions, you know, some people seem really calm um, and some people just want to leave as soon as possible afterwards. Um, And some of them kind of cling to their pets and have trouble leave. And it's, it's really hard to see people so sad and upset. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's hard sometimes to know what you can offer to support people, Absolutely. you know, yeah. um, a, a while ago, um, I actually euthanized a pet and one of my clients, she started to hyperventilate and, and clearly panic Yeah. Um, yeah. right after I euthanized their pet and they repeated themselves over and over again and, yeah. and they seemed unable to really catch their breath. Yeah. And so for a moment I felt panicky too because yeah, I have no training to deal with this yeah. and I thought I just had no idea what to do. Absolutely. But yeah. so I just thought, okay, Shannon, lean in, yeah. do something. Yeah. So what I did was I reached out my hands towards them and I asked them if they wanted to hold my hands. That's that's perfect. And so yeah. they said yes and, and yeah. hung on to my hands. Yeah. And I asked them to squeeze my hands yeah. uh, and breathe. Yes. And I said, okay, That's give wonderful. me a good squeeze. Give me a breath. Yeah. And, you know, I told them that, okay, you know what? I think you're having a panic attack and it's going to be over soon. And you're going to get through this. And you did such a great job for your pet. It's yeah. going to be okay. Take a breath. Squeeze my hands. Keep yeah. breathing. I just... That's- probably babble absolutely no but um, that's absolutely perfect Shannon yeah but I you know the person did calm down yeah and so did I <laughs> um we got through it together yeah. amazing yeah. but it was yeah. it was tough a hundred percent absolutely it's those moments when you know when someone's having especially you know after euthanasia and they're having a you know a full pretty much a full-blown panic attack it's and especially when you know, we don't really have that much training in ter- in regards to um, to mental health. You know, for ourselves and and for you know our patient, our clients as well. Uh, I think you handled that absolutely beautifully. Oh, um, thanks. It no, abs- no, I, I absolutely. Um, I, the biggest thing is you know that you know offering of the hands to keep them grounded is super super important. Um, I have had. In the last couple of years, I've had many, you know, full scale panic attacks. Mm. Um, and the only thing it's I hard. could ask for was um, I need I need someone's hand. Yeah, because that that sense of, you know, holding on to something, it really it grounds you. Um, the breathing is super important. Um, mm-hmm. I generally like to do, you know, I tell them, OK, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four hold for four so it's called box breathing and what it does it actually it helps you as the person who's having the panic attack it like you do visualize a box so then it gives you something to focus on and your mind's not like all over the place um so that's another like but again you touched on the breathing which is fantastic um and you just you know you told her you reassured her that you know everything you know was going to be okay and I just I think you handled that absolutely beautifully well thank you I, I really wanted them to keep breathing so yeah, yeah that was absolutely. basically where yeah. that came from but yeah. oh gosh it, yeah. it was hard thank you I'm, I'm yeah of course I'm, yeah no I, I just that. I wanted to let you know that I think it was perfect yeah thank you yeah um but I do think we should be careful about hugging our clients. 
So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the thing is that you, you just want to help the person, Absolutely. you know, because we're yeah. all such helpful, caring people yeah. in our profession yeah, and we just want it to be profession better. For a reason, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but people in that moment are really vulnerable and, and for some people too much touch can be really triggering hundred um, yeah. or, or it can send the wrong message. Um, yeah. I can tell you that as a new graduate, um, I, I hugged a man who was absolutely inconsolable oh. about the death of his cat. And so I hugged him and he yeah. hung on oh, for okay. a very long time. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately he took my hug as an indication of personal interest oh. and possibly a dating opportunity, oh, no. which unfortunately oh, no. it was not. Yeah. Um, so I really feel that to that person, I, I gave the wrong message and it yeah. was unintentional. I Absolutely. was trying to comfort him in the moment, Absolutely, not, yeah. um, yeah. turn it into a no, romantic of course. Yeah. Yeah. encounter. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, so we definitely have to be careful. Absolutely. Um, if a client I know asks if they can hug me, I say yes, because yeah. I am a hugger. Me too. Me too. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I, I seldom start the hugging. Yes, um, I absolutely yeah. agree. And everybody has to choose, you know, what they're comfortable with, but yeah. just kind of, yeah. it's good as a, as a new grad, I just hadn't really thought through, um, yeah. about what message that might give. Absolutely. And yeah. I, um, I think that's, you know, I, I'm the same way. I'm definitely a, definitely a hugger. Um, I feel like hugging like that touch, I feel like as humans, we, um, most, most of us tend to gravitate, gravitate towards, you know, needing that, that, you know, that physical, that human touch. Yeah. Um, obviously there are definitely exceptions to that, to that rule. Um, and what I think asking is always super important in that, in those cases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Everybody needs something different. Absolutely. You know, sometimes yeah. I find that people are having trouble leaving their pet. Um, sometimes offering a, a clipping of fur, yes. you know, can be helpful. Absolutely. Other people do not want that. Yes. Um, it can go either way. Yeah. 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 Suggesting that they may want to take the collar. Some yeah. clinics do um, like ink paw prints yeah. and ink Absolutely. nose prints and things. Yeah. Um, I have had trouble making those look very nice. <laughs> it's yeah. the only thing. But yeah. uh, I think other people are better at it than I am. Um, <laughs> and we offer, you know, things like ceramic paw prints, of yeah. course, and that Absolutely. type of thing. But, yeah. but in the moment, just kind of seeing what people want yes uh, exactly. and going with it you know yeah. um being open to the idea that you know people want all different things i have had people you know take want to take a photo of their pet after they're deceased yeah. and if they need to do that that's totally fine yeah i just you know kind of go with whatever people need and support absolutely. them yeah. absolutely and i you know i always i always say at the very at the end you know, we're here. If you need anything, you know, please let us know. Yeah. Um, and I think just like those words of, of letting them know that we're, that we're here. Um, I think, I think most owners appreciate that. Yeah. And we have a package of, of sort of information, like a little folder that we have that we That's give people, easy, of course, yeah. you know, with yeah. some grief resources in it. Absolutely. We have a really nice little booklet yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, and then the different um, cremation and paw print choices. So yeah. we make sure everybody takes that home Absolutely. as a resource. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and again, like, even though, so we've just talked about how, how hard all this is and it yeah, is hard, it is, but it, yeah. it can also be, you know, a beautiful thing to do for an animal who's suffering. Um, I really think that we are giving them a gift in helping Absolutely. them end their lives. And yeah. it, it's, you know, we can share that with the owners too. Yeah. And, you know, after it's all over, you know, just telling the owner that was really peaceful for her. I'm so glad you were able to stay with her. You know, yeah. she looked really comfortable lying in yeah. your lap. Yeah. You know, that can be a really good thing to share too. Absolutely. And yeah. I think, yeah. I think for owners, it's, um, it can be, you know, a good, a good sense of, of closure, you know, in a sense. Yeah. And then, 
for me, like once it's all over and the clients have left, for me, that's typically when the emotion hits me. <laughs> um, I, I get so involved in trying to make everything smooth for my patients yes. and my clients that yeah. I find my own feelings get pushed aside. Absolutely. Uh, but I have yeah. to say, I've cried over many a patient as I carry them back to the treatment room. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't help me hit me till later. You know, I'm at yeah. home watching some sappy commercial and yeah. the waterworks start. And my husband's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Yeah. You know, um, it, 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 it does happen sometimes. Absolutely. And and sometimes I'm okay. Yeah. You know, it just really depends. Absolutely. Not everyone is as hard. No, but if, but it's, there a, are, if yeah. it's a, you know, we all have our special patients and our Absolutely. ones who we've known for a long yeah. time. And for and those it, ones, it it's, hits it's, you. it's really yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's so important that we, you know, even if we, if we just check in with ourselves, you know, yeah. whether we, we say, Hey, you know what? I feel okay. At least we're checking in with ourselves. Um, there's been, you know, a few since, you know, I've been back at work um, that have been, they've been hard. And same thing, as soon as the owners have gone and I've been bringing the patient back to the treatment area, I just, I start bawling and I have to put my head between my legs. And, but I let myself, I let, I've, I'm letting myself feel it. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to do, but I think, as you know, as veterinary professionals, I think it's so important that if we, you know, there's a moment that's hard and that we need to show our emotions. I think it's so important and it's okay to let that out. I agree. Um, and yeah. I, you know, even if you like as a as a team, you know, you have a little debriefing after. I think, you know, like hey, that was a that was a really tough one. That was a really emotional one. Um, you know, there, there was, I had one where, you know, the patient was, you know, agonal breathing oh, yeah. and that's always difficult. Yeah. that, you know, again, it, it that's that scenario. It's, you know, it, it's wonderful to be able to ease that patient's suffering. But at the same time, I, I remember I w I bawled after that one yeah. because I sat with that patient for three, three plus hours you know, and I remember her looking into my eyes and it just, it broke me. Yeah. Um, but I, I had to, I had to let that out. Yeah. Um, so I think as a veterinary, a veterinary team, you know, whether we're checking in with, with each other or with ourselves, I think it's so important to, to, to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm okay. Or, yeah. you know, no, I'm, I'm not okay. That was a really tough one. Yeah. Um, I think Absolutely. it's imp really important to do that. And and it sometimes you are okay afterwards, and oh, that's absolutely. that's all right too. Oh, it doesn't absolutely. mean that there's something wrong no, with you. No, no, and I, not feeling yeah. it. But you know, no, like yeah. sometimes there are other there are yeah. like you know there there are ones that that they, they go smoothly, mm -hmm. and it you know yeah, yeah you do feel okay. But there are some that are just they just emotionally they are just they tug at your heartstrings. Yeah, some yeah. are harder than others. Yeah, and. So ideally, we schedule euthanasias at the, as the last appointment of the yeah. day. And we all know that that's the ideal time because yeah. then, you know, the, the, the waiting room, well, theoretically, isn't yeah. so busy. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, the clients can go home and, and we can go home afterwards. But honestly, I can't remember the last time it actually worked out like yeah. that. Yeah. So even though we aim for it. Yeah. And the really weird thing about our work is that we often have to go directly from a euthanasia appointment to see a new puppy appointment, yeah. you know, or, or a dermatology appointment or yeah. something else that's totally different. Yeah. And 
you know, I find that as a vet, sometimes we expect ourselves to act normal yeah. minutes after being through a really difficult oh, really? experience and, and something yeah. really emotional. Yeah. So it's hard. But yeah. the reality is, though, that sometimes we, we do have to go on with our day. Like, yeah. I, you know, if I, if I do a really hard euthanasia at 2 p.m., but then I have other sick pets relying on me to yeah. see them at the yeah. end of that day, I can't just go home. No, I mean, absolutely, yeah. I guess I could, but it, that is not what I want to do. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. So, you know, I guess I'm interested. I know that, you know, your really strong interest is, is how can we help ourselves in the moment and, yeah. and what can we do as a team? Yeah to support the people who just went through something really hard and, and need to keep going? Yeah, um, that's a really, really good question. And I think it's just, it's so important to to take that five, five, 10 minutes, whatever you have, and just, you know, sit and take a deep breath and feel, be like, you know what, that, that one really hurt. Yeah. You know, that one, you know, I'm, that one is going to affect me. Because I, I find that in our profession and in everything, you know, People have this this misconception that we can't we can't you know we can't allow ourselves to feel that sadness or that hurt or that anger or whatever. But I think in order to move forward in in a healthy way, I think we have to allow ourselves. Like I said, even that five that five minutes. Yeah, um, I could not agree more. You yeah. know, just sit down, have a yeah. glass of water. Sure, there's something else coming up. Maybe there's yeah. an appointment coming up yeah. next, but there's probably someone else in the clinic who could help you for those Absolutely. few minutes. Either Absolutely. either the yeah. technician could go in, you know, your amazing yeah. technician could go in and start that history or yeah. could start talking to the new puppy owner about parasite prevention. Your receptionist exactly. could bring them the insurance form for their one month of free insurance and start talking yeah. about that. You could yeah. just say to somebody, hey, can you weigh them and put them in the room and let them know it'll be a few minutes. Anything. Absolutely. You can... This is this is me talking to me here. You can actually take a few minutes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, even yeah. though it does seem hard, and I yeah. think that the rest of your day will go better if you do. Absolutely. So thank you, Emily. I hundred percent agree. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, my student team and technician and I had a really hard day together. Um, yeah. Sadly, we performed three euthanasias on one day, yeah. which is a lot. Um, we got each other through it. Um, thank you, team, if you're listening to me. I really appreciate you. Um, and the next day, we did sit down together um, with tea from my pink teapot that I have. And uh, we all checked in with each other and did a little debrief well, type of thing. Yeah. Um, it was really nice. And I, I found it really helpful uh, just to take a few minutes to connect yeah. with the team and talk yeah. about, hey, you know, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I think everybody found it helpful just to talk about you know, Absolutely. Um, yeah. so I, I, I definitely will continue to do that and, and yeah. have done it before, yeah. not for every single euthanasia that we do necessarily, no, yeah. but for, for the those... ones that are particularly hard, or again, Absolutely. you know, if you have multiple ones in a, in a row or in a short period of time, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. I think and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you did. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, I just, you know, think back to me prior to, um, to when I went off, cause I was off work for almost a year, wow. about nine months. Um, and I remember I would just push through and push through. Um, I used to, I did, I worked in Emerge and there were days where we did between five and seven euthanasias wow. and that's way too many. And I, oh, absolutely. And I, and it broke me yeah. and it, there's a reason I, I got to the point where I got to and um, you know, people would, you know, ask in passing, Hey, are you okay? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Yep. Yep. 
But I never stopped to take those five minutes yep. and be and say to my team, guys, I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, now I'm 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 much better at that. Yeah. Um, and I allow myself that time. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I just think you know it's it's so important. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and you know, uh, it, it was interesting for me and and difficult because yeah. I, I thought that day where we did the multiple euthanasias was kind of behind me. We got yeah. through it. We talked about it. Okay, I can yeah. I can kind of put that aside now. Yeah. But two days after that day, um, my receptionist came to me and asked me to do another euthanasia, and I said yes, of course, sure. But then I was standing with my students and yeah. I thought about doing this, this next euthanasia. And I was surprised because this huge wave of sadness just kind of washed over me. And yeah. I thought, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm always sad about euthanasia, but this was more, yeah. um, you yeah. know, it, it, I don't know how to put it, but it, it didn't feel like a very manageable sadness to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, wow, this is not good. So I, I followed after my receptionist and I said, you know, actually, if it's an emergency, I will do this, of course. But if it's not an emergency, can you schedule it with somebody else? And my receptionist absolutely. was lovely, of course. Yeah. And she absolutely understood. I just told her that I, I didn't feel like I was in the right mind frame to do another one absolutely. yet. And and, uh, and of course she understood and she she scheduled one of our other amazing vets, you know, yeah. did the yeah. did the euthanasia for me, no problem. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a, a patient or client who yeah. I knew particularly yeah. well, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, and I but think, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that that was really important um, to do, but I, it surprised me. You'd think that at this point, you know, I have done so many that I would be okay to manage all of these feelings and things, but, but it can happen to anybody. Exactly, Shannon. And, you know, and I know you've, you know, you you have a you know a lot of experience and you've been practicing but it just goes to show you that it you know it, it doesn't matter whether we've been in the profession you know a month a year 10 years 20 years it it they they affect us and when we do that many in such a short period of time um, I just think I want to say I just think it's so wonderful that you were able to recognize that and and advocate for yourself um, you know especially you guys as DVMs, I, you know, I love seeing, you know, you guys advocate and say, hey, you know what? No, I'm not okay. Can someone else take over? Um, because I, you know, you guys, what you guys do on a daily basis, I have so much respect for. I you know how much I love working with all of you guys here. Um, and I just, so for me to see you say, hey, no, I, you know what? I'm not okay. I can't do this. It's, you know, me as as someone who mental health is such an important aspect for me. It is it's so heartwarming to see you say and advocate for yourself and say, no, you know, I can't. I, I, ju I just can't. Um, and I think, you know, as future for future grads, you know, as vets and as techs, um, we have to be able to to recognize that and say, you know, as, you know, as a tech, if you're um you know, there was, I, I remember a time there was, uh, before I went off work, when I was still fighting internally with myself, I was like, nope, no, I'm, I've never been one to take time off work for mental health. I'm not going to start doing that. And there was, um, actually I had, it was not long after the passing of my grandfather oh, and, sorry. oh, that's okay. Um, it was, I think it was about a couple days or yeah, three, four days max. And, um, I, you know, they booked in a euthanasia and one of my other technicians uh, came up to me and they're like, hey, you know, just want to check in. 
are you okay to do this? Like, I know your grandfather just passed away. And I, I looked at her and I was already tearing up at that point, And I said, no, like yeah. I can't. Yeah. Um, so, and so it's, it's so nice to hear and see, you know, you as a doctor, because you guys go through, um, I mean, you know, everyone has their role in the euthanasia, but you guys have a role that is just, uh, you know, I, I try to think about, you know, every day and I, I can't imagine doing it. Um, and I respect you guys so much for, for being able to do it, but it's, it's so, it's so wonderful for me as an RVT, as part of your team to see, you know, you advocating for yourself and recognizing that, you know, I I can't do it right now. Well, hopefully as time goes on, our students will do more of that for themselves than than my generation of us has done. (laughs) Um, but you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not so clear to us, our feelings, like that was a pretty obvious one for me. I I could tell that, okay, I'm not okay. Um, but sometimes it's hard to know when you've met your limit and maybe, maybe like, I guess I'm wondering if there are things that we should be watching for, you know, that tell us, okay, maybe one of our colleagues is not, is not okay. Whether they're veterinarians, technicians, receptionists, anybody on the team. Um, so like as a, as a a mental health first aid worker, what are some of the things that you would watch for? Absolutely. That's a, that's a really great question, Shannon. Um, you know, speaking a from, you know, being, ha- you know, having the mental health first aid course, and then obviously B from, <laughs> from experience. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, the big signs for me were, um, there was a lot of withdrawal. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk a lot. Um, there was a lot of like lack of focus. So someone, for me, mm. I'm usually very focused, very detail oriented. Yes. And <laughs> that, that, um, at that time, it all went out the window. Okay. Um, and thankfully, I think I, I you know, I, I count my blessings every day that I, it never got to the point where I made a massive error or mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, you know, those are, are the big ones, to be honest. Maybe um, somebody's personality seems a little bit different if they're exactly. not interacting as they normally would. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, that, and just, that's interesting. Like yeah. lack of focus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would have thought about that one. Yeah. It, it's not really, it's, I feel like it's not one that, that is easily seen. Um, I think you have to, as a person, you see it more. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember people saying, you know, Emily, you just, you know, you do, you seem off today. Mm-hmm. You don't seem like you're, um, you know, you're running yourself running around and, um, where, you know, other people think I look stressed, but I'm actually very calm. I just, I just walk very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, they just, they noticed, you know, in, when they looked back, there was differences. Um, yeah. And just, you know, you know, someone not like not sleeping, oversleeping, um, overeating, not eating. Um, and again, those are things that you would, you're not necessarily going to see, but, um, you might, you, you know, you might say, Hey, you know, Emily, you look, you know, you look really, you look super tired today. Is everything okay? Um, you know, not necessarily asking for details, but, yeah. um, just checking in on, on, and especially, you know, people, your coworkers that are quiet, but they're seem more quiet than normal. Okay. Um, just checking in with, with your coworkers and, um, you know, just yeah. saying, Hey, you know, you doing okay. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, sort of like, hey, I noticed this. Exactly. Are you okay? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's that's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful. So in my situation, all I really needed was the the sort of support and understanding of my team. Yeah. And at least a couple of days without euthanasia, just to kind of rebalance myself uh, before I needed to do it again. Yeah. 
And I have done more euthanasia since then. And, yeah. and it was still sad, but of it was course, back yeah. to being manageable yeah. as opposed to being overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I also have to admit that I was really kind to myself for those few days and I gave myself some extra treats like ice cream and chocolate and a whole bunch of other things. (laughs) Uh, Not too many. Um, And and I got made sure I got some good rest that week as well um, just to kind of help me bounce back. Absolutely. And and sure enough, you know, I got back on my feet again and I was okay to continue. And um, I I think that was really helpful. Yeah. Shannon, I'm so glad to hear that you, you gave yourself that, that extra TLC. I think it's, it's so important, especially after, after, you know, a day or a week like that. Um, And I, I genuinely believe that it it helped you, it helped you bounce back. I think so too. Yeah. 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 The power of ice cream. Yes. (laughs) But, uh, but what if we're really worried about someone? Like what if we're actually worried that somebody, you know, is in, is in a a dark space and, and that they look like they really need help. What should we do or, or offer? That's, yeah, that is, that's a wonderful, wonderful question, actually. Um, I, you know, the best thing for them is um, because there's, you know, they're, they're going to put up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and they're going to say, no, you know, we, no, I don't want to go. I'm fine. Um, so ultimately it does, it does count. It does have to come from them, yeah. that decision. Um, and for that's, sure. you know, that's what it was for me. I finally said, no, you know what? I need this. Um, but when, yeah, when you're really worried about someone, you know, offering them those resources, offering them that, that suicide prevention hotline number, um, there is one specifically, specifically for Canada, okay. um, offering them, you know, to look up their local CMHA number um, in actually Guelph region here 24 seven is a fabulous resource. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Here 24 seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is fantastic. Call them any, any time of the day, night. Um, I think after 4 PM, you can text them. It's okay. fantastic. Wow. Um, so yeah, this, this Guelph region is, is great for that. Um, so offering them those numbers, and then if you're really, really worried about that person, um, I mean, you know, you you have to offer to take them to emergency. Um, and I know, it, it, you know, it, I can't it, imagine how difficult of a conversation it would be. Yeah. Um, I, I have not been on that and I've been on the opposite end. Yeah. Um, but putting that out there for them and just saying, you know what, I, I think this is the best place for you. It's the safest place for you. Um, they have, they're going to look after you. They have the best, the best resources there. Um, you know, I, I think emphasizing, emphasizing the safest place, um, for that person is is super important. Um, and I mean, realistically, None of us, I mean, you know, none of us are, are mental health professionals. Yeah. I, I have a bit of training, yes. but I'm, I'm not, I'm not a professional. Right. Yeah. And so we have to direct those people um, that we're really worried about to actual uh, mental health professionals. I agree. Um, and, I agree. you know, like I, earlier in the podcast, I was, you know, Homewood is fantastic. So that's, you know, another thing that they, you know, they're, they could discuss with, with a professional, but, um, yeah, the biggest thing is, is being there, supporting them, checking in on them, um, and then offering them those resources and, and guiding them towards, um, someone who has experience and, um, you know, is a professional in the mental health field because it is a very complex field. It really is. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing those things. Okay. That's really helpful. 
Emily, thanks so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, no problem. I know you're really, really passionate about this and and I appreciate it. And, and for us, you know, in our profession, euthanasia is one of the most important things we do for our patients. It it really is a gift, you know, so important for our patients and our clients. Yeah. Um, but it, it is it is one of the hardest things. Absolutely. But so many things worth doing are hard, right? Yeah. And this is no exception. Yeah. Um, and worth doing well. Yeah. So I hope that you know our listeners can kind of take something away um, yeah. that will help them make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, either the techniques we talked about, or yeah. you know ways to support themselves and their teams yeah. and each other. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I, sorry, I just want to add. Um, I mean, I don't know how many. I don't know if anybody listening. Um, would have read my article but I just kind of want to quote end with a quote from from um, the last paragraph of the article that I wrote for the OAVT journal Um, I said we can only um, care and advocate for our patients when we look after and care for ourselves and advocate for ourselves so to you know to all the any all the grads listening the new grads the vet students um just remember that you you have to look after and care for and advocate for yourself and then you can look after and care for and advocate for your patients very true very true thank you thanks everyone for listening thank you so much as always your comments and suggestions are most welcome so please email any feedback or suggestions to us at vetsessions at hotmail.com and please also follow us on instagram at vetsessions take care everyone until next time bye